will, I will confess to you, um, October 1st, I was working back in the office and rushed in and I sat down at my desk and my computer pops up news stories. And this news story popped up about a shooting at a school in Oregon. And my first reaction when I saw that, my very first reaction was, what now? And that feels callous, it feels wrong, but how many of these do we have to go through before the news of them just becomes noise, just becomes something that we don't even really hear? And then when news came out that the shooter had, had targeted Christians, I, I didn't want to believe it. I thought this is something they're just getting us all stirred up. I didn't want to believe that. And like so many of you, maybe, maybe you guys too, all I could think of was, what's next? Where is it going to happen next? And when is it going to happen? And I even wondered as I put this sermon together this week, will there be another school shooting before I get a chance to preach this? And in fact, there were two on Friday. Matthew chapter 6, we have the, the Lord's Prayer. And in verse 13, Jesus teaches us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I think about a prayer like that, and I wonder, what does a prayer like that say to those college students? What does it say to the family and loved ones that they've left behind? What does it say for a person to pray that prayer, deliver us from evil, and then be faced with that question, are you a Christian? And know what's going to happen when they say yes. And what does it mean for us? What does it mean for us in our day-to-day lives where chances are we're not going to be faced with that kind of a challenge? And yet every day we're going to be faced with challenges to our integrity, challenges to our witness, challenges to our attitudes, challenges to walk away from our faith, or challenges to lash out and to say something we're going to regret, something that we're going to wish we hadn't said, challenges to to turn away. Jesus, Jesus ties, deliver us from evil, directly to that other petition, lead us not into temptation. And what he does is he reminds us that evil is not necessarily something that's out there, but there is a very real possibility that by my attitudes or by my actions, evil might not only touch my life today, but evil may be produced by my life today and by my rebellion against God. So what can we know? What can what can we do through prayer to address the evil that is in our world, but also the evil that is in our lives? I want to take what Jesus teaches us there. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I want to take that to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20. Those Bibles in the pew, if you're using those, it is page 979. We've come to know and love this passage. We call it the armor of God. I remember as a, as a young person, as a teenager, as a young adult, my first exposure to the Bible and coming across Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, and I thought it was just the coolest thing I'd ever read. You know, it's all about armors. And, you know, there's swords in there. This is cool. 
We've come to, to love this passage. It fills our imagination, but more than that, it is a, a strategy to address the struggles that we face every day. I want to begin just with verses 10 through 17. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus taught us to pray, deliver us from evil. Paul says here in verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Jesus teaches us to pray, deliver us from evil. Paul teaches us this so that we might be able to stand on the evil day. When is the evil day? I think it's probably a Monday, but you know, what, what is the evil day? Well, it's not a particular day that he has in mind. It is an expression that is to say when things are at their very worst. Have you ever had a day like that? When things are at their very worst, when nothing goes right, and that one person gets on your last nerve on that day? Life feels like it's falling apart and you could very easily give in to the temptation just to give up. How do you pray on that day? How do you call upon God? How do you find the strength to stand? Now, the remainder of this passage, verses 18 through 20, leaves that metaphor of the armor of God behind. But make no mistake, this is war. And Jesus is still talking about, or Paul is still talking about the weapons that we have. And the weapon that Paul describes in verses 18 through 20 is prayer. And it is prayer that is born out of the presence of God within us. You go on into verse 18. He says, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert and with all, with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Now there's a lot of questions about what praying in the Spirit is. And there's a lot of different views about what praying in the Spirit is. Paul gives us enough clues here in this passage that it ought to be fairly obvious to us what he means by praying in the Spirit. First of all, he says, pray in the Spirit at all times. Okay? It ought to be our default mode of prayer. It ought to be our, our usual mode of prayer, our normal mode of prayer. It's not something that you just do sometimes. It's not something that you, you, you learn to do. It's not something that you do just when the feeling hits you. It's not something you do when you're lost in worship. This is to be 
the way we pray all the time. Now, if you look back on the list of the armor of God, there is a complementary weapon in verse 17, the verse just prior to that. Verse 17, he says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then he immediately goes from the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to praying in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and supplications. The Word of God. The Word of God spoken to us. The Word of God written down for us. The Word of God alive in our lives. Alive in our hearts. Alive in our minds. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says that the Word of God is living and active. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts. And Jesus Himself gives us the example in, in Matthew chapter 4 where He's being tempted by Satan. And how does He respond to the temptations? Every temptation Satan throws at Him, Jesus throws Scripture back to Him. He responds to those temptations with Scripture. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus responded to temptation with Scripture. And so, if the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, then praying in the Spirit works in connection to the Word of God. It is searching God's Word. It is searching His will. It is praying it back to Him. It is searching deep in ourselves and and finding His presence there and finding His peace and His comfort for you and finding His direction for your life and for your prayers. This just seems to emphasize what we've been seeing all through this series on prayer. Three weeks ago, three weeks ago we saw the value of praying Scripture. We looked at Acts chapter 4. Peter and John had been arrested and then they get out and the whole church comes together and the first thing they do is they pray together and the first prayer they pray is out of the Old Testament. They recite Scripture and they, and they make that their prayers. They come together. Two weeks ago, we saw prayer as encountering God and we saw that from also from the, the letter to the Ephesians in chapter 3, verse 17. And Paul prays for the Ephesians. I want you guys to pray this for yourselves and for us that Christ might dwell in our hearts through faith. That Christ might dwell within our inner being. Last week, we saw the importance of praying in Jesus' name. And so this week, we see the importance of praying in the Spirit at all times, with all prayer and supplication. I bet none of you use the word supplication in any conversation this week. It's not a word we use a lot, supplication. Go to my wife and say, I have a supplication for you. You know, we, we don't do that. We don't say supplication. And, and so we hear a word like that. And we're like, what, is, what does supplication mean? And I, I love the image here. It, it means to plead. It means to beg. It means to request. Some of your Bibles say with all requests. But there is an urgency in that word supplication. It means to present an urgent request before God. And sometimes it sounds like that. You know, maybe yours sound like that. Mine do a lot. So we make a supplication before God. We have an urgent request. And it's interesting that Paul says, with all prayers and supplications. Sometimes when things get urgent, we kind of change our plan of attack. When there's suddenly an an urgent need, sometimes we say, we've had enough of this prayer. It's time we actually did something real. You know? Sometimes we get that idea that Urgent things require something else, something beyond prayer. And it is a reminder that there is no need so great, there is no need so urgent, there is no need that's, that's so massive in our lives that prayer is not 
the proper response to that prayer or to that need. I've had to learn that a lot. You know? And you guys have taught me that because every now and then, you guys present me with a problem. You know, people will come to me and we'll be talking about things, and some of you go through some pretty big stuff. And, and I don't always know what to tell you. And I, I will just confess, that's a huge problem, and I don't know what to tell you. Let's pray. <laughs> because the one right response is always prayer. I could make something up. I could find some cute little quote that will make you feel better. But ultimately, the one right response is that we pray, that we present that request before God, and that we trust Him. And with that in mind, Paul continues to describe this weapon of prayer. And he tells us to pray for each other with all perseverance. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a very important word in verse 18. A very important word that's repeated many, many times. The word is all. He says in verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. You might as well say with all prayer and all supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Does all sound important? Well, this problem that you're facing, did, did you try praying in the Spirit? I did. I prayed in the Spirit some. Just, just some. Well, didn't you just do it all? No, I, did, I just did it some. A little. I prayed in the Spirit a little. Well, well did, you, did, you, did I try some other stuff? I thought some other stuff might help. Or, but did, did you pray with all perseverance? I prayed with a smidgen of perseverance. Just, just a dash. I added a dash of perseverance to my prayers. Or, or did, 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 then I got bored and I decided to try something else. Or Did you pray for all the saints? All the believers? All the Christians? Well, I prayed for some of them. I prayed for the ones I liked. I prayed for the ones I agreed with. I prayed for the ones that see things the way that I see them and that vote the way that I vote. That's, that's what I did. Is there any power in that response? Is there any promise in any response other than all, to give it our all? I think a big part of why we don't give it our all, I think a big part of why we don't pray and why we give up in prayer is because we don't keep alert. We don't keep alert. Over and over again in Scripture, we're told how important it is to keep alert. In the Gospels, in the Gospels, when Jesus is in the garden, what does He tell the disciples to do while Jesus goes and prays? He says, watch and pray, keep alert, that you may not enter into temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Watch and pray. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, Paul is addressing the elders of the church in Ephesus. It's his final message to them, his final farewell to them. And in Acts chapter 20, verses 29 through 31, listen to this. He says to them, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. 
Then there's Peter in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober-minded and be watchful. Be alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Making your requests, making your pleadings for all the saints. Seeking God's best for each other. I wonder if we got honest for a minute. Have you ever gotten tired of praying for someone? Have you ever just gotten tired and fed up with, with come on, you, you look at me like you've never had this thought. Have you ever just gotten tired of, of praying for someone? Someone who, who constantly screws up, someone who's constantly making mistakes over and over again, and you see no growth, you see no depth, and have you ever just thought, forget it, I'm going I'm to pick a winner. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find someone else to pray for because nothing's happening here. I'm going to give up. Saw a, saw a news story this week. I wish I had copied it down. This lady became a Christian when she was 75, maybe 80 years old. And she started praying for her husband that he would become a Christian too. She prayed for her husband for 25 years. And last week, at the age of 105, he gave his life to Christ. Is that incredible? 105. Think about those people that you gave up on in their 20s and 30s. You think about those people who went nuts in their 50s. 105 years old. And every day she prayed for her husband. He finally called his preacher and said, I got some questions. What kind of questions a 105-year-old person? It's amazing. It's incredible. Sometimes I have to stop and remind myself of that thing that we've read over and over again. Everybody you meet is fighting a battle that you know nothing about. A battle that you can't see. And all you see is my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. God's not doing a thing in this person's life. I'm going to give up. You don't know what that person's going through. You don't know what it is that they're experiencing. And you don't know when those prayers are finally going to break through. You might have to pray until they're 105. There's a passage in the Old Testament that I honestly have to tell you, it convicts me every time I read it. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 12. You know, Samuel, we're going to look at Samuel next week. In my sermon next week, we're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 1, but in, in 1 Samuel chapter 12, Samuel was prophet, he was priest, and he was judge over Israel. He did it all. He had, he had a hat trick. you know, Prophet, priest, and judge. Did everything. Samuel led the people of Israel until they rejected him. People of Israel said, we don't want you anymore. We want a king. We want to have a king just like everybody else has a king. Why can't we have a king? So they all wanted a king. So they reject Samuel, and they get Saul. And Samuel is just pushed aside over and over again until finally in 1 Samuel chapter 12, Samuel's had enough and he's retiring and he's leaving and he's going to step away. And in chapter 12, we have his farewell address. In chapter 12, he says some harsh things in chapter 12, some very difficult things. It is full of warnings. But verse 23 ought to humble every one of us. Samuel says to these people who have rejected him in verse 23, Far be it from me 
that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. You hear that? Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Paul says, keep alert and with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Don't give up. Don't give up on each other no matter how hard, how hard-headed you can be or how hard-headed they can be. Just be equally as hard-headed in your prayers. Don't give up on anyone in prayer. And then there's another side to that that might be a little more difficult for some of us. And that is to admit your own need for prayer. And this is something I think we find difficult. We do a great job of praying for other people. You know, every Sunday morning we collect those prayer request sheets out of your bulletins. We collect a bunch of those every Sunday morning and, and, and there are some great prayers there. We pray for family members who are struggling through things. We pray for friends who are struggling for things. Today we've got some very important prayer requests that we have to share together. We pray for people that we love. But very few of us put requests in for ourselves. I have yet to see someone put a request in there that said, hey, pray for me. I'm struggling financially. I don't know where, I don't know where my money's gone and I need help and, and I, I really need your prayers. I have never seen someone put one in there saying, pray for me and my wife. We're struggling and we're not really getting along well together. Pray, pray for me in this relationship. And I'm not beating you up for that, but please hear me. I don't do that. I don't come here to beat you up. I'm, I'm not beating you up about that. Maybe that's not the most appropriate place to share those requests, but where do you share them? And who, with whom do you share those requests? Do you share them at all? Paul goes on in verse 19 and he says, after telling them to make supplication for all the saints, he says, and also for me. Pray for me too. Pray for me that, my, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to. Can you imagine being asked to pray for the Apostle Paul? The Apostle Paul asked us to pray for him. Paul, Paul who met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Paul who in some way was caught up into the third heaven. He doesn't even understand it, but he was shown things that he couldn't even begin to describe. Paul who had seen healings. Paul who had known the presence of God in amazing ways. Paul asked us to pray for him because Paul also was a man who struggled, who knew his own weaknesses, who knew that thorn in the flesh who knew those troubles that he had. Romans chapter 7, the very things I hate to do, I end up doing. Paul knew those struggles. He had failings. And he knew he wasn't strong enough to do it on his own. So he asked the Ephesians for prayer. What an incredible privilege that must have been for them. Paul asked them to pray for him. The fact is, you need people praying for you. Just like I need people praying for me. Just like just like uh, Paul needed people praying for him. Paul prayed that he would have the right words. Let me ask you, have you ever had the wrong words? Anyone? Let me see a hand if you've ever said the wrong thing at the wrong time. Yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jim's got both his hands up back there. Paul says, pray for me that I might have the right words. I wish people would pray for me that I might have the right words. 
Not just here, you know, other places too. Pray for me that, that I might have the right words. He prayed for boldness. Boldness to stand firm in his faith no matter what. No matter what. Boldness to not give up even in the struggles that he faced. We need that boldness. We need that boldness every day to stand for our faith, to stand for our families. You think about those there in Oregon who said, yes, I am a Christian. Where did they get that boldness? Where did they get the strength to make that confession? Because you see, the other part of it is, believe it or not, it's not about you. <laughs> and it's not about me. And it wasn't even about Paul. It's about the message we carry. It's about the Gospel. That's what Paul tells us here. Because we share that with others through, through our boldness, through the life that you live, through the attitudes that you convey. Far too often our attitudes and, and the words that we use speak volumes about where our hearts are and, and what our lives are really about. And, and so the question is, do they convey that Christ is our Lord? Do they show our submission to Him? There are a lot of times when they don't. Pray for me that mine does. I'll pray for you that yours does. Deliver us from evil. If we're not careful, we read that just like evil is something that's out there just waiting to pounce on us, waiting to, to jump at us. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. To steal your hope, to kill your faith, and to destroy the image of Christ in you. Paul says that on that day when evil hits, on the day of evil, on the evil day, on the day when things are at their very worst, you can stand, you can stand firm, you can stand with hope. And he also tells us that we have to stand together. And thankfully, we don't stand on our own strength. We don't stand on our own strength. We don't even stand on our own ability to get along with each other. We stand because we each stand with Jesus. We each stand at the cross. Maybe we kneel at the cross. I don't know what evil might come near to you this week. I don't know what choices that you will be faced with this week that might present you with an evil alternative, an evil option. I don't know what you might face this week that you might need delivered from, but the promise of that prayer, deliver us from evil, the promise of that prayer begins right here in this community. It begins right here at this table as a reminder that there is a family behind you. There is a church family behind you. And no matter what, we are praying, we are, hope, we are hoping, we are holding each other firm in our hearts. Let's pray.